With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I would like to take this opportunity to eulogize the most distinctly talented and wonderful human being I have ever known. Me. Wow, is it the end of an era? It's never the end, it's just the beginning of a new era. You see, I like that, I like that. And, that, and that's true, because we live in a day and age where we are able to preserve a moment in time without any sort of, of, of degradation. I mean, that's the concept of digital media, right? Digital media versus analog media. Analog media deteriorates. Film negatives deteriorate. Audio tapes deteriorate, vinyl deteriorates, but a digital disc, a digital print, information providing it's backed up properly, will always remain as pristine and as whole as the day, as the moment that that particular image was created. So we do have, you know, the legacy of this great man preserved for posterity for all time. And, you know, before we even launch into this conversation, I'm, I'm fairly confident that 30, 40, 50 years down the road, people will still know who Christopher Lee is on account of a couple of things. His breadth of work and the fact that he has touched so many iconic uh, uh, either, either roles or franchises. Franchises that are relevant to us, films that we hold dear. Um, for me, Christopher Lee... I always recognized him with his voice firstly. Of course. His of course. presence was defined by his voice to me. That comes from all manner of experiences. Now, I was late to the Hammer game and have come to realize his importance to that mm -hmm. time and place and everything he brought. I mean, of course, the funny thing is with Christopher Lee is behind the, behind the curtain, there's always so many stories because he liked to talk a lot. <laughs> yes, and he, he was uh, free to share his thoughts and opinions on things. So... He would have negative things to say about the Hammer franchise, but it doesn't stop us from eternally placing him within the horror genre in an upper tier of respect that he deserves. Where did he fall, him and Cushing, when we defined our Mount Rushmore of horror icons? Boy, and, and I think that was something that we actually struggled with because we couldn't have one without the other. Mm -hmm. and, and, and last year, about this time, 
we did our Peter Cushing retrospective. It was a very informal conversation over a cup of coffee at the bookshop. And here we are on a summer's day, uh, plagued with ragweed or, or hay fever. Yeah, or it's about 100 degrees in here. And it's the same type of thing. It's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a casual, well, Christopher Lee has left us. Because quite frankly, Dad, I never thought Christopher Lee was ever... Christopher Lee, Lee, Lee was ever going to die. You always uh, ascribed him to having uh, a vampire's power. I, I, I thought he was Camp Dracula. You see, those are just films, though. What, what, I, I don't know about that. Because, you know, if you, if you, look, at his, if you look at his biography, and, and, and I'm going to actually do something that's kind of a faux pas in a bit. I want to read a chunk off of his Wikipedia page because I find it so uh, fascinating and yet amusing. Because over the course of the eight years that we've been doing the Horror Etc. podcast, uh, Christopher Lee has kind of become a bit of a backseat character in a roundabout way. Yeah, he's made his appearances in your library of impressions for sure. But you know, you know, you know, of maybe course, one of your strongest. I have to say. Well, thank you. Actually, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Somebody in the UK actually said it was better than Stephen Fry's, <laughs> which you know, which 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 tickled me pink. Take that. Well, you know, uh, Christopher Lee, it's a funny thing because um, my association with him is, is a complicated one. It it's, takes on a Kubrickian uh, level. Kubrickian. Of, yeah, wow. Of consideration when you look at who he was and what he did. Yeah, he made a lot of movies, lots yes. of movies, but uh, certainly not limited to that. Yeah. As with all aspects of his life, he seemed to be, which you might apply the term renaissance man, in that oh. he didn't seem restricted by the scope of anything. He made his way across the landscape of music, film, television. My, uh, my dear friend, Christopher Lee was a trained dancer, a trained singer, a writer, a Nazi hunter, indeed, a thespian of the highest order. <laughs> but it's true. It's true when you look at this incredible, incredible life. Ninety-three years. He is more. We, we all come to Christopher Lee, either through horror or through James Bond or the newer generations are going to come. Lord of the Rings is Lord of the Rings. And certainly Star Wars. You can't overlook the influence of that. And Star Wars, exactly. But no matter how you come to him, it's usually as an actor first. And then you discover, wait, there's so much more out there. Now, for better or for worse, you, you, you asked me a question just before we went on air because we always try and get our facts reasonably uh, straight. Um, you said, right, so the last thing he did was the metal EP, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Not the first metal EP we might right. add. Uh, you know, this the latest. Is the latest <laughs> installment. Actually, I think the I think the last thing that he recorded, or the or the the last release, was his third installment of a heavy metal Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And we've had fun with those uh, pieces in the past on the podcast. We sure have. But you know, there's there's one thing that we can't. I mean, some of it is just absolute camp. Um, but that first heavy metal album that he did, uh, Charlemagne, The Omens of Death. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh no, sorry, Omens of Death was the sequel. The first Charlemagne album was a masterwork. I mean, I mean, it was so well constructed, and of course, Christopher Lee was a descendant of Charlemagne. I don't know if you're aware of this. I've heard. Yes, that's right. Yes, you know, but that 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 work itself, it would be so easy to say, oh, it's crap, but it wasn't. Uh, it's again complicated. It's the same yeah. kind of approach you must take when you uh, when you come to William Shatner's recorded works. You know, it, it's unique. Huh. It doesn't diminish its artistic value at all. No. Uh, but what's I, I said there's a scope of his musical works because even though I haven't listened to everything, yeah. I've heard him sing country and western. Yes. I've heard him sing a Broadway show tune. Yep. Uh, what, what would you classify Return of Captain Invincible? Oh, uh, man. All the sure. way to metal. That's rock opera. Sure. Everything. But I guess... When I say it's Kubrickian, it's that I really appreciate what Stanley Kubrick does and the talents he has and yeah. his, his eye, mm -hmm. and even to a degree his philosophy. But 
I still struggle because he's so clinical on what he does and calculated that I can't penetrate in. Christopher Lee, he's always going to improve a film he appears in. Yeah, yeah, always. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was he was a working actor. That's the thing. So there's a list of films we've got here, and it's lengthy. We're not going to oh, go God, through. But yeah. the thing of it is, you look at the list, and it's a demonstration that there's a good chance if you're watching something from yesteryear. Within a particular genre, depending on the era, you might land on a Christopher Lee appearance you weren't expecting, and it will always it. improve things. But he is a difficult man yes. to penetrate in the same way I struggle with Kubrick, because he had a particular personality, and I, I don't know what the term would be. I mean, he, he was very... I'm not sure. I'm searching for the word. Tetchy? Tetchy? Standoffish? Is lectural a word? Lectural, yes, yes, yes. Something yes. to that effect. Either way, he spoke from a higher tier, and certainly he's above me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, no, yeah. So I'm going to look up to Christopher Lee, but it's just the kind of air of dissension that I, that I would condescension, maybe. A certain, yeah, a certain air pomposity. Perhaps. I don't want to be negative. I have a lot of respect God, for Christopher no, Lee. God, no, no. Wait, well, here's the thing. If you, if you read any Difficult guy, though, to, to love. Yeah, and... He's not lovable. No, I don't think he was ever cuddly, <laughs> if that's what you mean. But... Yeah. Trying to make a buck up some ground I might have lost there. I didn't want to sound like I was putting down <laughs> Christopher Lee, but... No, 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 no. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think you are at all. But if you, if you read any interviews of people who have worked with him... Their remembrances are always quite fond. Consummate professional, I'll bet. And consummate professional and a very funny and caring individual. Apparently, he was always a, a gentleman, a joy to work with. He was very, uh, very much a, a team player. Um, I can imagine that he could be difficult with a director, but I think, uh, you know, even with his grumblings about Dracula, um, what essentially happened was, and, and, and he's recounted that story many times, they did the first film, which was, you know, which had a, a large impact. And he didn't come back to the part until, um, until 1960, it was, it was Prince of Darkness, which was what, 65, 66, directed The Prince of Darkness, he didn't return to the role. And uh, of course he continued to, uh, to do the Dracula films. Only because he felt a certain amount, he was, he was very displeased with how the character was being portrayed, right? The famous story in Prince of Darkness, he refused to speak the lines that were written to him. Or there were no lines written for him? Well, they cut out all of them. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, the counterpart, of course, to that. But, um, you know, the, the, apparently the reason he did that is because um, there, there was a guilt factor because the Dracula films were the bread and butter for yep. studios. And uh, every time he would say, well, no, I don't think I'm going to do another one. Well, okay, Christopher, but, you know, if we do, you know, we're going to have a lot of people out of work. and blah. So, again, you have to temper that with Christopher Lee. But there probably is, there probably is something, you know, in that, uh, in that, in, in, in that, that sort of picture that's been painted of, of that time. I don't think working for Hammer was, it was an unpleasant period for him, but I think the typecasting was probably a frustrating, um, you know, period of time for him. I think it's fair to say that Hammer did launch him, though. Oh, he was sure. working since the mid, well, I think 47, Four, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, right. he had been working for a decade, but it wasn't until, right? I would say that it wasn't until Hammer that his name became internationally known. Well, if you look, and if you look at the horror uh, triumvirate, is that, is that a word? That's the word, triumvirate, right? Sure. Yeah, sure. If you look at the, the three flicks, exactly the main, the big three flicks in the world of, uh, of horror, which uh, seem to be cyclical, Dracula. Frankenstein and the mummy mm -hmm. 
he played all three of those monsters three years in a row in succession. He saw Curse of Frankenstein, Horror of Dracula, and then The Mummy. So he, during this rebirth of the classic monsters, which took place in uh, during the Hammer era, he defined he all three. Integral. He played the he played all the monster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, and it led to a decade of the '60s, essentially uh, focused on horror genre offerings uh, in the form of anthologies or what have you. And it carried on. He expanded from there. Uh, do you think that he ever had a disdain for his association with the horror genre? I know that he tried to distance himself from it to the point that he uh, he often claimed that I have only done a number of horror films, maybe a dozen or so. Everything else was fantastical, thriller, mystery, drama. <laughs> you know, but it's true, right? I mean, he, 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 you know, he often claimed, and it's true when you think about it, that so, in so many cases... A movie like The Devil Rides Out, which is probably my favorite Christopher Lee film, mm-hmm. um, is, yeah, it's horror, but it's also a thriller. It's also an adventure film. It's also a cracking mystery. Um, you know, I think I think he's grasping at straws there. Rasputin the Mad Monk was a, histor- a historical drama, which actually had very, very little to do with the historical facts <laughs> of uh, the life and death of Grigory Rasputin, to which Christopher Lee had a connection, too. We'll get into that momentarily. Yeah, right, the long and like the heritage. But, you know, he, he also did do a lot of, of secondary work. He also lampooned his, his image as a, uh, as a horror, um, you know, uh, a horror master. He, he lampooned Dracula a couple of times on screen, once in um, The Magic Christian with, um, with Ringo Starr, and another time in a... Uh, in, in a it was, there was a second film, I apologize, I, I forget the name of it, but uh, Sammy Davis Jr. was in it, Jerry Lewis was in it, and he also appears as Dracula. Yes, I know what yeah. you're talking about, and I'm missing it too. I know, Peter Cushing's in that little mm. little clip too. He lampooned himself on Saturday Night Live in the 70s, which I would kill to see. I've been trying to find that episode online for ages, but uh, he, he appears as death at one point in it. But then, of course, you know, he, he, he also had a, a vivid career as, 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 as a pirate, as a, as a James Bond villain. Did you know, he ever do Sherlock? Yes, he did. He actually did Sherlock Holmes four times. He played the part three times and did four Sherlock Holmes movies. He did. Uh, he played the part of Sir Henry Baskerville in the 1959 uh, Hammer production of Hammer of the Baskervilles, which is, uh, which is a wonderful adaptation. Peter Cushing played Holmes in that. And then uh, the year after, I believe, 1960, he, uh, he appeared as Holmes in an Italian film called The Deadly Necklace, which is a public domain film. You can find it online for free. Um, it was one of those films that he made in the 60s uh, in Italy that he appears in, but his, his voice is dubbed by an American actor. Right. And I hate that because yeah. he has such a distinct uh, voice. You know? Exactly. The, there was talk of, um, of the film being dubbed in English, actually, which uh, about 10 years ago, which apparently never happened, which is a shame uh, because it would be so interesting to actually hear his voice as Holmes in, in an otherwise decent Holmes adventure. But he, he returned in the 1990s in two TV films uh, with, with Patrick McNee, uh, Incident in Victoria Falls and Sherlock Holmes and the Leading Lady. He plays an aged Sherlock Holmes. And they're both, they're, they're both great romps. They're, um, they, were, they, were, they were miniseries, two-parters each. And um, he was a delightful and I think very underrated uh, screen Sherlock Holmes commanding uh, and yet there was there is a wonderful element of humor in his performances that you don't see in some of the more iconic Holmes uh, portrayals 
Well, you had uh, mentioned briefly when we passed it was uh, the fact that he did play a villain in a Bond film, Scaramanga. Yeah, Scaramanga. The Golden Gun. With a superfluous third <clears throat> nipple. And it's uh, difficult when you look at a, a filmography as lengthy as his to pick one title out of that long list and say, well, this one, this one stands out. It doesn't necessarily, but it, culturally it did have a big impact. Mm-hmm. It's similar to the fact that he had been toiling for 10 years and then he made uh, a Frankenstein movie for this English studio Hammer and boom, it led to the next thing and becomes a a huge icon of horror. Uh, Playing a Bond villain is a big deal. And especially at that time, 1977. And it's actually fresh off the heels of uh, 73's Wicker Man, which is another one of his standout roles that you look at and you think, well, it's defining in a way. Because when I think of Christopher Lee, there's a few roles I I think of right away. And Count Summerall. Yes. Number one. Count Lord Summerall. That's right. That's right. Count Summerall. I I like that. No true Lord. It fits though, right? (laughs) I mean, if we're going to have a Freudian slip. I agree. He considers that to be the best film that he ever appeared in. And uh, I mean, let's face it, The Wicker Man has been discussed ad nauseum on this, uh, you know, on this program. And you know our sentiments on it. It's it's, it's a masterwork and his performances is is legendary. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... It's powerful. Uh, in the extended cut, um, he's, he's even given more to do. And um, I, th- I think, yes, it is, it is one of his finest performances. Now, you know, again, my favorite Christopher Lee film is The Devil Rides Out, but I also love The Return of Captain Invincible, where he sends up his image as, you know, as a, as a Bond villain or a horror master. He's Mr. Midnight. And he's, you know, singing and dancing in fetish gear. It's great. It's nonsense. It's fun, though, you know. <laughs> he plays a, a, a German uh, U-boat officer in uh, 1941, the ill-fated Spielberg yeah, that's comedy. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I never got that film. 1941, no. I never never found a thing really to hang on to with that one. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've, I've watched it several times. And it's always the same thing. I don't, I don't understand the appeal. Well, the thing with Christopher Lee, I guess, another thing would be, and we mentioned it earlier, is I read him as a professional, and I never really can... I can't think of a film or an appearance or a role where I can point to it and say, well, here's an example where he was mailing it in or cashing a check. I didn't really get that impression from him as an actor. Also, the fact that he did do these uh, films for Hammer long after, theoretically, he would need to, did speak to this argument that he was looking out for crew. Yeah. I mean, that does. Another element that I consider when I think about his uh, prickly personality is, you know, I must tip my hat to the fact that he signed on to be in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? Long ago. Yes. And, you know, the role that he played, Saruman was an incidental character, a tertiary role, for sure. But the fact remains that the theatrical cut had to remove scenes he was in. Parts. He was (laughs) removed from Return of the King wholesale. That's right. And he had disdain, and I think we heard that. But, that said... Somebody had asked him, you know, for Return of the King, Mm -hmm. are you... Are, are you planning on attending the premiere to which he responded famously what would be the point <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not in the movie so but he did come back for Hobbit he and did. a similar thing happened again but he did come back to make the Hobbit movies and, and have a brief appearance well he did he absolutely did now here's the interesting thing of course he knew Tolkien he had the opportunity to uh, to meet him back in the day and Tolkien had 
what was it recommended or uh, I had envisioned him as as Gandalf mm-hmm yeah that was the story I can see it I could of course I could I can see that of course I could absolutely you know but uh, again that's another one of those legendary stories mm-hmm. that that his life seems to be tinged with all these historical encounters yes yeah, so do you know any of these uh, anecdotes offhand and here's the question that follows how many of them come from him firsthand? Yeah, I know. Citation needed. I mean, you know, I, I, I wouldn't normally do this because we've, you know, we've always said we don't just rehash Wikipedia pages. However, I think it's important to. I'd like to read a couple of paragraphs off of the Wikipedia page, okay? That sum up the yes. incredible yes. <laughs> circumstances of the guy's life. That's right. So his father, he was born uh, Christopher Frank Carandini Lee, right? Okay, he was the son of a lieutenant colonel. Okay, his, his, his mother was the Countess Estelle Marie. His father fought in the Boer War in the First World War. His mother was an Edwardian beauty who was painted by Sir John Lavery, the famous English painter. Um, and her lineage can be traced to Charlemagne. His uh, maternal great-grandfather was an Italian political refugee whose wife, Lee's great-grandmother, was the English-born, uh, internationally renowned opera singer Marie Carandini. His parents separated. During this time, his mother took uh, he and his sister to Switzerland. After enrolling in an academy there, he played his first role, Rumpelstiltskin. Now, I, I think about that. Rumpelstiltskin, of course, is one of the great villainous monsters yeah. of uh, you know of, yeah. the, of the fairy tale canon. And of course, that's his first role. Okay, so his mother marries Harcourt George Saint Croix, who was a banker and the uncle of Ian Fleming. So that made Ian Fleming Lee's step cousin. Okay. okay. So the, the family then will moves back to uh, um, to the UK. Uh, one night he's introduced to Prince Yusupov and Grand Duke Dmitri Pavlovich, the assassins of Grigory Rasputin, who he was later to play many years uh, uh, thereon. So he goes to school in Eton, continues acting in school plays alongside Patrick McNee. He applies for a scholarship to Eton, where his interview was in the presence of the ghost story author M.R. James, who he later portrays for the BBC. Okay, I mean, it just goes on. Yeah, it really does. And on and on and on. He was beaten, I love this, he was beaten at school many, many times, frequently, and he was actually once beaten for being beaten too often. I find that, but but he, he, he actually says that he sees it as logical and therefore acceptable punishments for knowingly breaking the rules. I mean, the guy, you know, that, that, that's his early years. That's his, that's his teenage life, right? Mm-hmm. He goes into the military. Yeah, I wanted to touch on this a little bit. Yeah, now this is fascinating, by all means. I mean, you know, that's where I have a great interest in just some of the personal aspects of his life. Yeah. Is the service that he did and how much we know and how much we don't know. And that's the thing. What (laughs) do we know? What do we not know? He ran the whole span from the beginning 1939 through and beyond in service. And it just takes on all these incredible aspects that... I mean, there's parts of it that you say, well, this is Christopher Lee is relaying these stories versus things that can be verified, and a lot of it can, uh, versus other comments that have been picked up to the effect that he doesn't have any nostalgia for the war, he doesn't like to talk about it. So therefore, if he truly did uh, carry out a lot of these things that supposedly he did, and he's reticent to get into details and... You can take it either way, is what I'm saying. There's another anecdote about the making of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, where he is... Peter Jackson is giving direction in regards to the sound a man makes when he dies. Uh-huh. And, yes. um, and Lee says, you know, Peter, have you ever heard 
the sound of a man dying. You're supposed to be saying this in Lee voice. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, have you ever heard the sound of a man dying from, you know, a stab one or whatever, you know? Well, I have. You know, <laughs> it's, it's the stuff of nightmares. It's the stuff of nightmares. I mean, you know, my God. But you, you, you're, you're right. It's, I remember watching a documentary where he meets uh, with a group of a former... Uh, um, uh, Boy, I think he meets some people that he served with. Okay. And uh, and again, everything's very, you're right, very, very hush-hush. He didn't have a lot of nostalgia for that period of time. Probably because he saw a lot that he, um, you know, that he, that he could never speak about. Well, I got to <clears throat> just sum up a few details that Please uh, do. are really surprising to me. When you think about it in scope, uh, that he's the legendary actor is how we know him first. Yes, of course. You know, yeah. And you think about it, okay, he signed up to uh, join... The military began with the RAF. Uh, ultimately, I'm not going to go point by point, but he ends up with the RAF intelligence yes. because uh, eyesight, something prevented him from flying. So into the intelligence he goes. He was a spy. He was a spy. He was a spy. <laughs> Christopher Lee, the spy. He was in the Rhodesian police force. He was a war, um, they call it a warder, but basically a corrections guard at a Salisbury prison. So he's doing it all. He's playing every role there is. Um, let's see now. As an intelligence officer, he worked with the North African campaign. It began all the way in South Africa and progressed up the continent, right? So he worked his way up through places like Libya, Tobruk, Benghazi, uh, let's see, uh, Tripoli. He, that's, uh, the, the statement is that the squadron he was with averaged five missions a day. Oh, my God. So the access pushed through uh, Tunisia. He's involved. He's doing, this is war. Fighting war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> few brushes with death. He was supposedly almost killed when his squadron's airfield was bombed. Wow. Okay, so he nearly evades death there. Uh, up through Libya he goes. They invade Sicily and liberate. They liberate Rome. He's all. He's on board all through this. Um, eventually, 1943, after the Sicilian campaign ended, he came down with malaria for the sixth time in six less time. than a year. How many times have you had malaria? Zero times. Right. And six seems like a way more than I need to yes, experience. Yes, yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, so Danny goes for a spell. That would explain the anal retention, though. <laughs> so while off on leave, he spends some time in Naples climbing Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> it erupted three days after he uh, climbed it. Oh, probably because he climbed it. <clears throat> During the final assault on Monte Cassino. The mountain. Amid the streaks of hot flows of molten lava. <laughs> Apparently, he was nearly killed a second time with uh, when one of the planes crashed on takeoff, uh, and he tripped over a live bomb. Uh, okay, so I just want to skip to a couple of the later uh, stats here that are really cool. So, yes, please. You know, he helped free the world as we know it. Yes. Uh, he, uh, he became he became posted with the Air Force um, HQ and was involved in the planning of the takedown of the German Alpine Fortress. I mean, this guy wow. was involved wow. from beginning to the end. He ended up being sent to the Central Registry of War Criminals and Security Suspects. Now, what kind of badge do they have? I bet you it's a cool one. He was, <laughs> here he was tasked with tracking down Nazi war criminals. Yes, he was. And the thing of it is, wow. from this point forward, we know very little detail. <laughs> how, how much time served, oh, how much boy. went on, how much is faked. Like, he talked about this involvement in secret missions, but we don't know because you can't verify. No, you can't verify it. But let's assume. Yes. Based on what we know of Christopher Lee thus far, he's survived the entirety of the war, maybe in an intelligence capacity, so he's not rushing the front lines or anything. 
but involved in every step of the, of the way. Who better to assign than this man who has control of, what, six languages? Oh, yeah, yeah, he He's does. He's fluent yes. in six languages. Yes, yes, absolutely. German among them. Yes, German. You're going to get this guy on board in your Nazi hunting campaign. You know, what does that involve? I've seen Munich. What does that involve? What does that involve? <laughs> what does that involve, indeed? Oh, he's heard a man die up close. Uh, ah! That's what I've been told. <laughs> and that's the thing, is that, you know, that, like you said, when we think of Christopher Lee, we think of the legendary actor. Yeah. But there's this whole other, I mean, I mean, there's a movie in his life prior to becoming <laughs> Christopher Lee. But you wouldn't Lee's, believe, it's the kind the of actor, thing that right? you just can't believe as anything other than fiction. Yeah. If somebody presents this to you, here's, that's right. here's a guy. Look at the life he lived. Now, that's the Dasecki's guy. I've seen him on TV. He yeah. sells beer. Yeah, yeah, precisely. But but I mean I mean I mean think of it, Ted. Think of it. I mean, how how much of that character that we know, uh, you know, as Christopher Lee, the very very you know pompous or stoic um, uh, gentleman of horror, you know, how how much of that character? was sculpted by those years you know i mean that that's a formative period of someone's life you know you know he lives a full life before he lives an iconic life mm-hmm. i mean yeah. that's that's fascinating yeah it's 47 i think is when he starts off with that's right. acting he starts he starts with acting prior to that he had studied to be a singer and a, and a dancer as well was he an actor slash Nazi hunter on the side? I, I don't know. That's the thing. I want you know, <laughs> we don't know. I want, but see, wouldn't that, wouldn't that answer some You know, you, you have to wonder if you know if he's maintaining this profile as an actor, but he's still also maintaining some missions. You know, on the there's your movie the, script. Oh my God, that's it. It's in that ten ten year period, starring Thomas Hiddleston. Uh, <laughs> Tom Hiddleston is Christopher Lee physically. I can see it. I can see it. Well, it, it's similar to me. So in so many yeah. ways. Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee's names go together yes. often, and, but there's a good reason for that, I think. They're both iconic on equal uh, ground, yes. in my mind. They also happened to pair up in 20 films, 20 plus. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They had a great respect and friendship for each other. I think that they were cut from similar cloth, but different in very unique ways. You couldn't see that they were the same personalities. For, for sure, you couldn't. No. Uh, but in the same way that we see Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart, they're buddies. Yes. These two were buddies, too. And both led incredible lives. Uh, Christopher Lee's uh, the well is so deep yes. that we don't we can't see into the inky beyond. Uh, but I like to inky conjecture beyond. some cool things in there. I bet you there's a story that could be told, like you said, that takes place between forty seven and fifty seven. There's a film in there. Yes, there is. There's a film in that. I, I would love to see somebody make that. We're having trouble with legal injunctions. Chris, we need you to go in. <laughs> Take care of business. Ah, Herr Lee, we loved you in yeah. Dracula. He's a wonderful... What's with Saluga? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I don't know how to wrap up a conversation about Christopher Lee Anthony. Do you have any particular uh, specifics you wanted to uh, touch on? What's your uh, favorite performance? Well, a favorite performance, my favorite Christopher Lee film, like I said, is The Devil Rides Out. Okay. My favorite Christopher Lee performance would definitely have to be um, uh, The Return of Captain Invincible, because it's everything <laughs> that he's achieved up to that point, and then spun around and uh, lampooned, right? And, and he's, having, he's having a blast on screen, you can tell. He's just relishing uh, the moment. But I'm, but I'm also a fan of his musical catalog, remember that? Mm, yes, I do know that. <laughs> You know, I've got some of the rare charity singles, <laughs> excuse me, like Wandering Star and uh, uh, It's Now or Never, which you, you must be seen to be believed. But the thing is, here's the thing. 
these aren't just MP3s. Like these, the, the, I've seen the vinyl. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And not not vinyl in a hipster way. Vinyl in a this is the only way and it exists way. <laughs> it's I, from like three I, years ago. I remember. I oh no, more recent than that, the nineties and onwards, my friend. I mean, there is stuff yeah from earlier, but I know I remember spent dropping a fortune to track down Christopher Lee sings devils, rogues, and other villains, in which he sings in five languages. <laughs> All these, you know, all these ranging from Broadway to country western to opera, like you said, to operetta, Gilbert and Sullivan, uh, all these different uh, uh, songs and arias celebrating villains. And then he gets into the heavy metal thing. He first records, uh, what is it, uh, uh, with, with Rhapsody back about 10 years ago. Yeah, I think that was 2005, there was. Wizard's Dream or something like that. And then hmm. that turns into Charlemagne, which turns into a heavy metal Christmas. One, two, and three, which are just mm -hmm. EPs, and then Metal Night came out last year, which was a remix, and there was some new material. Silent Night is a, is a gem. Yes. What about Jingle Hell? <laughs> jingle Hell, Jingle Hell, Jingle All the Way. I don't remember if we used. Was it Silent Night or was it Little Drummer Boy? We used to uh, Little to Drummer Boy close out a Christmas uh, spectacular episode. That, so was, that wasn't his best. His best uh, audiophonic. Uh, no, that was like a, that was the the B side to that particular. That was single. the B. Yes, it was. Boy. <laughs> But I mean the confidence, right? There's something to be said about we the confidence. We had no lack of confidence. No. You can say that no. for sure. But there will be no Christopher Lee uh, Christmas address in 2015. No. Sadly. And it's uh, coming to grips with this. You know, we've uh, Leonard Nimoy and Christopher Lee in short order pass in the span of a month's time. And I fear, you know, I fear always. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> I worry for Bill. I worry for Bill too. William Shatner. I hope he's taking care of himself. I, you know, one of our horror etc. listeners. I don't know if you saw this on Facebook, and I forget Probably who it is. Not. I'm so sorry. I'm so so sorry. Got word that Shatner was appearing as part of this. You know this 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 bike rally tour he's yes. doing. Yes. Um, there were a series of Facebook posts. So this is happening right now, and it's Shatner in a parking lot, <laughs> meeting people and doing you know doing his thing. I I agree with you. He is he is working hard still. He is working too hard. For an 83-year-old man. That's the thing. He does a show, Fact or Fiction. Have you ever seen... Not Fact or Fiction. Weird or what? Weird or what, yeah. Have you ever seen this thing? I have. I mean, I know that the crew comes to his ranch and they just <laughs> film pickup shots. And they're probably in and out pretty quick. But nevertheless, does he need to be doing another TV show too? Uh, just and still keeping up all the appearances too. Focus on the music. Oh. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't know if we're ever going to see another Shatner Maybe album. not. But um, you, know, I, you know, I do worry about Shatner. But it's interesting that you bring that up. Um... Who, now that Christopher Lee, I mean, when, with, with Christopher Lee passing, that is, in my opinion, the end of the era. Yep. The end of the era for, 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 for Hammer Horror. A middle era to me. I mean, you've got early cinema, turn of the century through to the early 30s, maybe. That kind of silent era, uh, yeah. birth of, of cinema. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's gone. It is. And then you had this kind of universal era, I suppose. Uh, but... Where the Hammer era picks up, it kind of runs, maybe, I'm going to say broadly, 50 through 75, that kind of period of time. Yeah, yeah, sure. And it's dying out now, too, sadly. You know, I mean, the iconic figures of the time. Michael Goff has gone. Uh, right, right. You know, Peter Cushing um, has left us. Uh, I think Michael Ripper's gone, you know. So uh, there's a lot of names. And Christopher Lee was, I mean, he, yes. he dated back a long ways. Sure. But uh, another name in, in memoriam. So I think I can predict the question. Where do we stand today? Where do we stand today? Who inherits that mantle? You know, who is the next in line to?
be crowned uh, the, the the king of horror. Well, that's the that's the thing. You're you're gonna pick the horror genre proper, yes. right? And in which case, um, it's a little bit problematic because what do we have in the horror genre proper? I defer to. I mean, I know it sounds a little strange, but I'm deferring at this point to Robert Englund as an elder. That's exactly who I am deferring to. It's the elder, elder statesman, thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> as the elder, the, the chairman of the board, I think it is Robert Englund. And Robert Englund's not a young man either. Now, He's Bruce well Campbell is uh, working almost in a direct executive director capacity, where he's kind of like the face of the genre. Yes. In certain ways. Yes. Um, but as a you know, as an elder statesman, not yet. Who else besides Robert England do you point to? Boy, that's that's really difficult. And, and here's the thing: like we've struggled with narrowing the the scope of what defines you as not to use the word like pigeonhole, but to put you into a horror specific. Yes, of course. Horror specifically, it's tough. Um, but if you know Robert England is willing to continue on as he has, he you know I I, I think that he embraces um, his work in, in the genre. Uh, certainly, I mean, he's he's a fanboy as much as he is, um, you know, a a player in in that world. I don't know. I really don't know where you know where where we would go after Robert England. Would it be? Uh, I guess it would be Bruce Campbell, wouldn't it? Lance Henriksen, maybe, but well, I think Lance is kind of a, a player who is kind of all over the, you know, all over the, all over all over the board, right? Yeah, I guess so. And I think he's in a bit of a different league too. Let's yeah, face it. I, I guess I'm trying to think of uh, what are we what are we classifying this as? How are we defining it? Christopher Lee in his role as a horror icon. Yes. What does that entail? I mean, if we're going to use the analogy of a member of a board of directors, if he's chair of the board, what does that mean? He speaks for the genre in in general sense. Although he would, although you know, towards the end of his career, he refused to speak about the genre. Yeah, yeah. I mean, true. <laughs> he was not an ambassador of the genre. That's no, for no, sure. No, 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 no. Uh, but as a representative, as as um, an iconic figure, yeah. he certainly was that. And that's where I struggle with Robert England because he's so associated with this particular role that's, he's done lots more, yeah. but we think of Freddy. And so is that enough? I don't know. And where, do, where does that leave us? Do we have anybody? It's funny, I remember um, the Montreal Fantasia Festival, 1998 or 99, somewhere around that period of time. 98, I believe. They had secured um, the brand new restored print of The Devil Rides Out. And um, they were so excited. I, I saw the screening. It was wonderful. They were very close to getting Christopher Lee to come in for the, the screening. The only deal was hmm. he wanted a Concorde. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and they couldn't afford the Concorde. You know? No, they get you there in an hour and a half, though. You know, so I mean, that's... <laughs> You know, is that him knowing that that's not going to happen, or but you know, or is that what he thinks that he's justifiably earned? I don't think. I think that's got to be a. That's an out clause. I, I would hope so. Yeah, surely. I would hope so. <laughs> it's funny though. But you know, all you know, everything aside, and I mean, we've we, we've had a lot of fun at the expense of um, of Christopher Lee throughout the the course of our tenure on the uh, on the podcast waves. Um, there is nothing but reverence, admiration great regard for the, the the depth 
of his work um, yeah, in the genre and in other genres too and uh, you know you asked what my favorite Christopher Lee film was I'm going to recommend The Devil Rides Out I'm going to recommend The Wicker Man for the two people who haven't seen it I'll recommend uh, The Return of Captain Invincible uh, but a lot of you know a lot of other films out there too Raspid and The Mad Monk is interesting the Dracula films are fun my favorite Dracula film is is, is uh, stars Christopher Lee but it's a non-hammer film it's the, the Jess Franco uh, Il Conde Dracula where mm-hmm. Christopher Lee finally gets to play Dracula as he wanted to until the budget ran out halfway through. Well, there's and, a, maybe a good recommend, though. If we're looking at this ridiculously long yeah. list of filmography, what's something that you can send the listeners away? Maybe Il Conde Dracula might be one that's fun to search out that maybe people don't know. Or, look, you know, look at some of the other uh, Italian horror films, like The Whip in the Body, right? Uh, or uh, The Bloody Judge. Um, Hercules and the Haunted World. There's a <laughs> lot of material out there. There's some Canadian films, too. Um Invaders from Space or Space Invaders or something, which I haven't seen. Uh, that's what I'd like to track down. Um, there's, my God, To the Devil a Daughter. That's another That's another relationship that he had. He had a relationship with Dennis Wheatley, the occult author. Right. Uh, Devil Rides Out, of course, was, uh, was written by Dennis Wheatley or based on a book of his. And so it was To the Devil a Daughter. That was another one that Christopher Lee, according to Christopher Lee, was, imp- you know, was, was, was uh, implemental in bringing to the screen. Um, there's so much out there. He published an autobiography that was revised a few years ago called Tall, Dark, and Gruesome. And it's very tongue-in-cheek, actually. Surprisingly, he does kind of send up his own image in it, and it's, uh, it's fascinating. It's still ambiguous. There's a lot there that we just don't, that we'll never know. But uh, uh, like you said, if you're out searching for films of a certain genre in a certain area or era, there's a darn good chance that you're going to run into a Christopher Lee appearance that you had not been familiar with. It happened to me with Deathline. Now, that's, an, that's a film we talked about on this podcast. Yes. Raw Meat uh, from 77-ish. Yeah, which, yeah, I know. And suddenly he appears as uh, an English bureaucrat. I know, I know, I know. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm Monster. I'm Monster. There's another one. That's, a, that's an adaptation of Jekyll and Hyde, which I would strongly encourage people to check out. He plays, he plays Jekyll and Hyde, but it's not... Jekyll and Hyde, it's something and Mr. Something and something else. Anyway, they okay. changed the names of the characters because they wanted to, um, I don't know, confuse their audience. But again, another very solid performance. There's so many examples. Uh, we would love to hear from you. What's your favorite Christopher Lee film? How did you first come to Christopher Lee? Mm-hmm. I thought he was powerful up until the end. I thought Cam Dooku, especially in Attack of the Clones, was, um, was a wonderful performance. He made that movie for me. Well, I... Thankfully, his voice never faltered. No, no. It, it, right to the end. I mean, I know, when he yeah. even had brief sort of voiceover bits in films, yes, you could always definitively pick it out. You knew that was him speaking. Um, you know, just as an example, take it of the many Tim Burton films. <laughs> take Corpse Bride, and there's no mistaking when Christopher Lee is speaking, and it held true to the end. Uh, that now, you know what you you just reminded me of something. There was a documentary that was produced in 1994 about Hammer films called Flesh and Blood. Right. And it's narrated by Cushing and Lee, like just a couple of weeks before Cushing died. And it was the last time they saw each other, and it's just their voices on, yeah, voices, there's no appearance on screen, but actually that's really fascinating. There was a DC Villains documentary a few years ago as well that was narrated by Christopher Lee. Uh And you're right, that voice was legendary and did not uh, falter, it just got more sinister. And more resonant, I think, as he uh, as he aged. I know that he did uh, work for voiceovers in video games a great deal, and where he lost 
uh, out with Sormon on screen time. Yes. Uh, I think he gained that back in his voiceover work in the nice. video games. Nice. So uh, all in all, it's a tough subject to kind of condense. Uh, we struggled with the same issue when we sat down um, to talk about Cushing. But really, it's just a chance to be a little bit reverent, pay our yes. respects, and say, you know, Christopher Lee, he's worth stopping, pausing, and considering bust out a Chris Lee film from yesteryear. Yeah. Bust out one of the Hammer classics. Of the three, uh, Frankenstein is probably the least defined in terms of performance. It just wasn't much for him to do. No. Other than Lumber About. Uh, as Count Dracula, he makes a great slavering vampire. He and does. And he does the bloodshot contacts perfectly. It, he presents as Dracula well because yeah. of his physique. He's five and a half feet tall. Yeah. Or, sorry, six and a half feet sorry, tall, yeah, I believe, yeah. 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 So he's huge. Yeah. And especially when you pair him up against Cushing, you know, you get that definition. With Mummy, he's fantastic when he gets to be the Mummy. He's terrifying. But it's such a brief thing I that know. it's a real loss. Uh, he, he is a very... Horror of Dracula is the one. Yeah, he, it is. He, he does make the Mummy terrifying, though, the actual... Because he's so physical. I know, I know. <clears throat> he, he is. And, and whenever he's on screen, there's an urgency. There's, a, there's this urgent terror. It's, it's, it's bizarre, but it's, uh, it, but it's effective. I'm thankful in a way. I mean, I know that the Star Wars prequel trilogy has its issues and its detractors, but I'm thankful for this. It um, had Christopher Lee in there in a role that might not have been all that big. It was not a huge uh, role to play. And, of course, by the time the third film had come around, a lot of the uh, CGI trickery was showing itself yes. in his involvement. Yes. Nevertheless, it does introduce the guy yes. to a generation that otherwise wouldn't know his face or know his voice. And maybe that leads somebody down the line you know, to finding out more about Christopher Lee, maybe discovering Hammer. Who knows? I agree. Exactly. If that's the gateway drug that gets people to, you know, to look back and say, who is this guy? Yeah, you don't know what it's going to take. Yeah. Christopher Lee, legendary actor, war hero, spy, ballerina. It's all there. It's all there. There will never be another Christopher Lee. And, um, you know, I'm grateful that we do have that era preserved for posterity. Um, and uh, I think uh, when this show is over, I need to sit down and throw on a Christopher Lee film. Tell us what your favorite is. What do you think is the, the major appeal of horror? Why are we drawn to it? Principally, I suppose, escapism, because it's utterly unlike our real lives, which I suppose today are inclined to be perhaps humdrum. I think that this particular kind of film gives you a jolt, an emotional jolt. You can help you to blow off steam, an emotional safety valve. But principally, escapism into a world of fantasy and unreality and the weird, which I think we harbour within all of us a basic, perhaps subconscious love as things that we don't understand and don't know. Many people, of course, see all uh, horror movies as uh, decadent and unwholesome and dangerous. Well, I think that's absolute nonsense. Uh, I don't see in what way they're dangerous. Catering for, for the lower instincts, really. I don't think so at all. No, I think if a person is already unbalanced, uh, and I think they're very much in the minority. One is always talking about a majority audience, obviously. I think if a person is already unbalanced or has perverted habits or thoughts, perhaps this might, on occasions, push them over the edge slightly. Otherwise, I think it's just a question of the audience going to be entertained and they enjoy it. I don't think it does them any harm at all, particularly the kind of film I've done, because they really do know in their heart of hearts that in most cases, in the films I've done, it can't happen. Hey, where you been? <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> 
But we're doing a podcast and we're going to release it, I assume. Yeah, that's the idea, probably. Okay. I don't know what the episode count number is, but uh, we'll it's, figure that out. Well, it's approaching 400. And you know what? 400. That's a lot of shows. Yeah. That has been, that's a lot of shows. And, and we are not saying that we're burnt out or, or anything along those lines. All we're going to say is thank you. Thank you very much for understanding. There's been a hiatus for several months now. Um, thankfully, there's this huge, massive back catalog out there, which a lot of people have been uh, revisiting or, or, you know, or experiencing for the first time because a lot, you know, not everybody has been with the show since episode one. So we thank you for, for, for doing that. And, and hopefully that served, uh, that served some of the, the need well. Um, but for everybody else who's been faithful and who has maintained their subscription to us and who has just been so patient and so kind um, and so understanding. Uh, oh, we got a really cool episode to do, and I'm hoping that we can do yes. it sooner than later. It's, it's, it's not that. It's funny because there's all these conspiracy theories out there. Have you, <laughs> oh, I, no. Oh, wow. No, 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 there's no conspiracy theory. Everybody thought that we, you know, that we had uh, disbanded. Pod faded. Oh, no. Well, the thing is, we said when we released our last episode, we'll be back, and we will be back. We're going to be back, but not on any regular schedule is the thing. That's right. And so when we get a chance, we're going to put out episodes. Thing is, there's a lot, there's a list of excuses as long as my arm, and uh, there's no point in going through it all. Uh, nevertheless, if people still want to listen to the show, please stay subscribed and check it out, because we're going to keep putting them out from time to time. Actually, it's funny, because there is one episode now that we've been talking about for, what, a month and a half? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the next big one. Yeah, and we're going to have guest appearances. It's going to surprise you, and yet you're going to, I think you're going to enjoy this one. It does, it's, it's something that you never thought you'd hear on this particular uh, wavelength. Or at least not for me, that's for sure. No, no, no. So. But yeah, there's lots of ideas, and Anthony's uh, putting the finishing touches on a feature film. So, you know, <laughs> of course, and it's a beautiful summer. It's a beautiful summer. So, that all said, um, more to come, for sure. Uh, any other thoughts, remarks, before we close out as impromptu Christopher Lee honorary? Um, just, just, just that there's more to come. And, and, you know, there's been a lot of mail. Uh, there's been a lot of comments on Facebook. I've been chatting with a lot of people personally. And uh, um, just thank you. Thank you for the support. Yeah, a lot of the commentary that I've come across has been, uh, you know, in minimal degrees of hostility. So that's all very appreciated. Actually, you know what people have been, uh, it's, it's been both a, a glorious and a very difficult uh, last few months. Well, it, it's out there. My, my father died um, after an, a prolonged illness uh, in June. And that was sad. Um, <laughs> caught the flu while headlining a stage production. That really sucked. Wrapping up a feature film, which was wonderful. Colin Baker actually appeared on screen, which was which was wonderful. He's a delightful, lovely man, and I got married a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that happened. So it's been it's been up up and down, but uh, <laughs> like I said, the list is really wow. uh, arm length. Uh, so you know, it's been it's been fascinating. Needless but, uh, to say, <laughs> but but at the same time, the show has always been near and dear to uh, to both our hearts, and it continues. It lives. It has not faded. It is uh, it is destined to to continue to do what we love doing. Uh, more than anything else, and that's talking about the stuff that we love and sharing it with our friends, you at home, on the on the couch, the virtual couch, the cerebral sofa. Well, 
Okay. I know the frustration. I've experienced it as a listener. When sure. I first discovered podcasts, one of the main ones I listened to was Mondo Movie. Oh, yes. Mondo Movie, Ben and Dan out of the UK were great. They did really alternative stuff. I mean, that's yeah. where I sort of got my first taste of Jodorowsky. And uh, for 100 plus episodes, it went until they just said, uh, we've got a new project we're working on. We'll be back. And you're still a, waiting. A year later. Yeah. A year later, there was a, a brief episode to say, uh, still hanging in there, you never know, and that was it. It kind of just went away, sadly. Um, I don't think that's us. No, we're not no. going to do that, but I mean, when I think we decide to shutter the windows, we'll say so. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, God, we still have too much fun when we get together to do it. And, and here's the thing, when we go out, we are going to go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> there, will be, there will be destruction, there will be chaos. There will be a scene from which you will never recover or rebuild. The land will be scarred for generations to come. So, you know, we're, we're not going anywhere, folks. And we thank you very much for your, uh, for your understanding. Yeah, we're not going to go through a what you've been watching uh, list oh. right here now. Because, of course, it's ridiculously long. Um, I'll throw you out the very last thing I watched. Yes. Um, on YouTube, a documentary on North Korea. Love that North Korea, man. It wow. was just so... Did not see that coming. Not so. And here's a video I'm going to send, uh, maybe refer you to if you have interest in yeah. the subject. It's a hermit nation, Anthony. Who knows what's going on over there? Interesting. Anyway, uh, if you were uh, so inclined, you could Google on YouTube. Uh, you could find uh, stuff they don't want you to know. It's like a five ah, yeah, kind yeah, cool. of yeah. five questions about North Korea kind of video. Nice. Anyway, it leads the way on to the other stuff, and I just went down that rabbit hole last night. North Korea is fascinating to me that it can exist in today's level of global technical interaction. Fascinating. Anyway. Either way, have to check this out. I'm uh, halfway through season six of Glee. Yeah. Well, folks, listen. We um, are always interested in hearing from you. The uh, the email address is horror etc. That's horror etc at gmail dot com. Do you even still remember the voicemail number? Two zero six three three seven five three. Wait. Ah, it'll be on the website in the notes <laughs> joining this program <laughs> a lot of voicemail to get a lot of voicemail to get through but we will and uh, we will be back before you know it so thank you very much for joining us special episode Christopher Lee in memoriam and uh, rest assured that all is well and uh, we're happy and looking forward to, uh, to joining you again very, very soon. soon very soon cheers for now Come back again real soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.